This is the iMoveU podcast, getting you private practice ready. We give you fresh ideas on mindset, communication, and clinical skills so you can have a fulfilled career. What a time to be alive. Andrew Zachariah joining me again for episode seven. Uh, the topic is I've graduated. Now what? Uh, this is a very common question we're getting in the Facebook group. So we're going to cover a few things and starting off with getting experience at a private practice and how important that is. I'll throw over to Andrew. Yeah, so this question gets asked a lot by students, even by new graduates who are working, whether it be in a hospital or private practice. What should I do? Do I go into private practice? Do I do a a year or two of hospital and do the rounds of different areas? I'm a big believer in you need to be working out what is the right fit for you while you're still at uni. It still may not be the end result, but if you can start getting an idea early, then you won't have these doubts early on. So, for example, I've talked to a lot of students who talk about their desires to work in sports and musculoskeletal injuries in private practice, but then they feel pressured to do a year of hospital rounds and up upskill my general medical knowledge. And I guess my advice there is medical knowledge, the medical knowledge you'll learn is great. And, you know, I'm not saying it's a waste of time, but if your goals are to work in sports and rehab, do you really know, need to know what to do with a respiratory failure in a hospital? It's good general knowledge, but is it actually going to help your career? Yeah, and it's. I think it's a really good point about um, going out and getting private practice experience before you finish so you know what you enjoy. The reason for that is most universities have between 15 and 25 weeks of placement and 75% of that is in the hospital. So by the end of your degree, you're going to have a good idea what hospital or what hospital system's about, but you won't have a good idea of what private practice is about. So how would you... How would you recommend going about getting private practice experience? So I think there's different ways. You could be getting involved in sporting clubs and most sporting clubs will have a clinic associated with them and that'll get you into to meeting some of the therapists or the owner and getting a week or two sitting in the clinic or a day a week where you can sit in with the owner and see what a day in private practice looks like. I think... Just sending out a few emails. Social media is amazing and so easy to connect now with so many businesses. I think don't be scared to to do this. Most clinic owners and most clinics love having students around. It's great buzz around the clinic. You know, you might have therapists in the clinic who like to do some mentoring and so that can be great to take a student under their wing. From a client perspective, clients love having students there and almost having the the two-for-one experience, getting two therapists for one. and I think it's a, it's just about putting yourself out there. If, if it is something you think you might do or want to get into, then don't take the risk by getting a job and then realizing you hate it. Get the experience early. Get And, and I would say get experience in multiple private practices. So don't just go to one, but, but see different areas, different populations they work with, different treatment styles, all those types of things. Get as much experience as you can, just like the uni does well or the hospital, you've got to do a bit yourself in the world of private practice. Yeah, we're getting 15 to 20 weeks in a hospital. 
we should be trying to get 15 to 20 weeks in private practice. Um, and that's difficult because the degree, the master's degree and the undergraduate degree in the third and fourth years are very time consuming. So the practicality of that is I would just ask your local clinics if you can shadow two mornings a week or two afternoons a week, you know, and even if that's between 3 and 7 p.m. two days a week or maybe between 8 a.m. and lunchtime and a Saturday, if you're getting that for five to 10 weeks, you're going to have a massive uh, leap ahead of the graduates around you. And just further on that point, there are so many private practices looking for staff at the moment. It seems like there's a shortage of physios, particularly I'll speak to physios because that's the industry we're in. I'm getting messages every day from clinic owners looking for young physios. So um, I reckon if you emailed five private practices, you would definitely say you would get a yes back from one of them saying, yeah, come hang out because they want to hire you in six to 12 months or whenever it is you're you're ready. Um, can we go deeper on the hospital versus private practice question? Sure. What do you think? Uh, look, I, I take it back to again what what do you what are your goals? What do you feel like is going to be suiting you more? But I don't know about you, Mick. In in Adelaide, South Australia, where I I studied, I had zero private practice exposure in uh, the uni system. So we had pretty much two full years of placements. Every single one of them were hospital or in a you know aged care facility. Now, I, I came from a sports science background, so I already had some links in uh, sporting clubs, and that's how I got my connections. Um, I guess in terms of you know the, the hospital stuff, it was funny because I actually enjoyed hospital placements. Um, I remember doing uh, an acute care placement, and that was like ICU, and I enjoyed it. But then I would go to my sports club and, at that night and, and work as a trainer and, and go, I like the hospital, but I love this. So for me, it was quite easy to, to look at the two and, and go, what do I need to do? What was your experience? Yeah, I was lucky. I, I had five weeks in country New South Wales at Leeton, and I, I was very heavily biased towards private practice. And then once I did that five weeks, that, that just confirmed it. I loved the hospital. I really did. Picked up a lot of knowledge. I enjoyed my neuro placement. Um, I enjoyed being around the more serious medical conditions, but it was always private practice for me. I think I think if you're getting to this point and you're not sure, then the onus is on you. And that, that breaks my heart to see young new grads coming out and saying, I'm not sure, because I think it's too late. If you're at that point, and you're saying, I'm not sure. And if you're not sure, I think it means you haven't sought out the experience. So don't put yourself in that position. I guess if you're listening to this and you've got six or 12 months to go or more, there's still time for you to arrange time at a private practice. Because when you're not sure, you'll probably take the easier option, which is hospital. And maybe this could be a little hidden stat as to why the burnout's so high. We do see a lot of physios just go into hospital because it's the easier option it's nine to four, it's good salary. Um, and then maybe three years down the track, you're like, oh, this wasn't for me. And your perception of private practice actually ends up being quite warped as well. That's my experience with people who've gone into the hospital system. They haven't experienced a good private practice, so they don't know what it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
it's interesting from a, an employer's point of view, a new grad coming out who has done a couple of weeks at a private practice um, or someone who's one to two years out and has worked in a hospital, like I know which one I'm looking more favorably upon. Would you agree, Mick? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I see a new grad with, I've worked at a private practice two days a week for the last six months of my degree, I'm I'm in. Um, it's very hard for us to hire someone that have, has only done university because we know that university is so biased towards the hospital system. So that's a good point. If you want a job, you have to do this. And if you want clarity on your career, you have to do this. Don't get to that point where you're like, I'm not sure. It's probably already too late. Yeah, you get to, as you said before, you get two, three years out. You feel like it wasn't what you thought it would be, but it's because you probably didn't do the research as well as you could have. Hopefully, by listening to this, you will now do that research. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, coming out and then doing a year or two in the hospital and going, now I'm ready for private practice. And as an employer, looking at him and going, you're actually now two years since you've done some of your manual therapy techniques. You've actually heavily towards a hospital system now, not even as a student, but that's what you've worked, you know, nine to four or five days a week for the last two years. So you're almost slightly behind. Have you had someone come to you after a couple of years in hospital? I know in my experience, people that say that I'm going to go get experience in a hospital tend to not actually come back to private practice. Have you, have you had someone do that? Uh, yeah, I have. I've had people who were unsure and look, I've, I'm not going to say they, they didn't come back because they got comfortable. I probably haven't had those discussions with them, but I think it's a big leap. Like when you finish uni, it's a big leap to choose hospital private practice, and that's why we should be trying to get ourselves prepared as best we can. But let's say you do work a couple of years in a hospital. Imagine the leap now. to It's almost like changing careers, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's a whole different world of, of physiotherapy. So... I think there would be that fear of, all right, I am used to nine to four private, and, and it's just the unknown. Private practice may want me to work weekends. They may may want me to work late nights, and people would be way too scared to ask half the time. Yeah, and I, like if I'm, I've been brutally honest about this before. I think your first one to two years in private practice is bloody tough. Um, if you're at a clinic where you're just taking over someone's list of fifty to sixty patients, it's a lot easier. But just the mentality shift. The rebooking shift, um, the longer hours, you have to be available when your patients are available. Um, but certainly, I think the rewards come strong in the third year towards your fifth year, and it's it's an amazing career. But I would certainly say the hospitals are much easier and comfortable option in the first two years. So that's what's scary is if you've done two years in the hospital, private practice is it's a whole lifestyle change. Yeah, it's almost a bigger jump now. Yeah. It's, yeah. As you said, the first couple of years, you might, even if you're taking over someone's list in private practice, you still have to make a name for yourself, earn your own reputation. So that's still a lot of hard work and networking. It, you know, half of those things aren't between nine and five. People you want to network are working. So you got to meet them after hours, weekends. So again, if you've been exposed to this stuff before and know what it's like and, and get excited by it, that won't be a massive jump when you finish uni. Yeah, that's right. And um, I think you have to get exposed to that early. 
the the best grads that we take have hung out at private practices. They've done sport work. They've done volunteer work. It's really hard for us to employ someone who has only done university and the hospital system. Um, what about you've done the right things? You've you've done your private practice. You've contacted a few. You've hung out afternoons. You've done sport coverage. You've got a job. Now, what courses should we do? Any thoughts from your end? I've got I've got strong ones, but we'll start with you. <laughs> You've always got strong thoughts. Uh, I I think definitely talk to people around you, get a good grasp of what people have done before and their thoughts. It does depend a little bit on what type of clinic you're in, but I'm I'm a strong believer in getting exposed to as many different strong opinions as possible. So go find a course that is heavy on your manual therapy. Go find another course that is heavy on exercise. Look at you know progression of exercise and loading, and then look at different types of manual therapy, whether it be you know muscle energy techniques, whether it be your thoracic ring type stuff. Getting a good mix of everything, and hopefully, with your great judgment, you'll fall somewhere in the middle and have those all those skills in your toolkit, and go from there. Yeah, it's, I think. It's a great approach and you can start doing that with the social media stuff we talk about is follow that list that we've just published because on that list there's people at both ends of the spectrum. It's really healthy to be exposed to both ends of the spectrum and it will rapidly enhance your toolbox. My number one course for new grads is always Mulligans. Um, I, I think it's a great course because Mulligans is a very quick technique takes 30 seconds to apply and it can get you very large changes, 30 to 50% pain reductions or 30 to 50% ROM increases. And that's massive for a new grad. You just want a couple of things up your sleeve that can get you out of trouble if someone's in pain. The other thing it does really well is it gets you confident with hand placements and finding and looking for anatomy. I still remember a great experience. Um, I watched my previous employer ask someone to extend their low back. And he kind of said, did you see that? Did you see the L4 not moving on L5? And I was like, what? I didn't even know we could look for that. And you can, and there is argument in the research whether we can see or feel that. He then went and mobbed L4, L5 with a mulligan technique. And then that patient extended 50 to 70% better. So just having the confidence as a new grad to be able to look at how someone moves, know where to mob, and then get them better quickly that's what I loved about the Mulligan course. So you'll hear us talk about doing that in your first year. I would still wait for six months before doing that. Um, any experience with Mulligans, mate? Yes, we have a couple of therapists at our clinic that have gone through and, and used it a lot. And I think whether whether any technique or any course teaching a technique works the way they, they frame it or not, I think what you mentioned, the, the comment I'm going to take out there is giving you the confidence to then go, yep, I've got something up my sleeve. I'm going to try this. I've done it before. We're going to see what happens. And, you know, half the time, as you said, you're going to get that 30 to 50% decrease in pain or increase in movement. And that, as a, as a therapist, is a great stepping stone to, to building a bit of trust with your client and then going from there, settling, get them out of pain early. So I think definitely any kind of analytic uh, course, so whether it's by movement or with your manual therapy skills, is going to have you, you know, well ahead in your first year. Always like my new grads to do a taping course as well. 
you know, it's two or three hours. It gets them upskilled pretty quickly. It's surprising how, how poor the new health professionals are at taping. Um, it probably just reflects that we're not spending as much time on our MSK units at uni. The other one I've put in there is Francine St. George. Uh, I got a lot out of that. I'm, I, I'm actually not sure she's doing as many courses as she used to, but she provided a wealth of different manual therapy techniques. Um, I just did her, it was a shoulder and neck one, and she gave me kind of eight to 12 techniques that I hadn't seen before. So I feel like if you did a mulligan course, a hands-on course, and a taping course, you'd go pretty well. The other thing we tell our new grads is to wait six months before they do their first course. Just be around the clinic, be around your mentors, pick up what you can, and then do the courses in the second half of your first year. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. I think talking to your mentors and the other therapists around you, sitting in when you can. So something just might not be front of mind for the therapist or the mentor, but you sit in with them for half a day or just when you have a couple of gaps and you see them doing a technique you've never seen before or, or assessing a certain way and then the ability for you to then go chat about it and they can bring up, well, yeah, I did it within this course or this person to follow online. I think, as you said, dedicate that first six months because if you do a course early on, the next four, six, eight weeks, you're going to be so focused on trying to make sure you remember that content and really nail those skills that you potentially be missing out on so much more that you need to be kind of embracing those early months. In saying that, if you do follow that advice, wait six months and then do a Mulligan's course and let's say you know nine months in, for the next couple of weeks, I would be heavily using the techniques you learn. I'll give my, you mentioned taping, I'll give my experience in taping. As a third year sports science student, I did a taping course because a couple of friends were doing it. They were working at sports clubs. I was still playing sports. I wasn't working as a trainer. It was only probably 12 months later that I became a trainer and I'd forgotten it all because I hadn't used it. And yeah. so it was kind of a waste of time to do it. I did I did two, I did a level one and a level two taping course and 12 months couldn't remember anything because I didn't tape a single thing. I think you have to be ready to learn and the first kind of three to six months in private practice is tough. Your head's spitting, new staff, rebooking patterns, a new diary, your practice software. Um, it's a really... Your head spins in your first six months as a practitioner. So that's probably where that advice is coming from is just when you're ready to actually take in more information is probably around that six-month mark, 12-month mark. Yeah, get comfortable and then you'll find that adding in these extras is so much easier and so more, so much more effective. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, APA course, I think I must have said something at some point and then I got three or four messages overnight saying, hey, What's wrong with APA courses? Any thoughts from you? <laughs> um, look, I think you need to run that through your own filter. I'm sure you'll have a lot more strong opinions than I will mix. Stitch up, um, Shane Davis. <laughs> um, but look at what it is. I would advise to be doing some of those student APA courses while you're at uni because half of them are free and you'll get a bit of a taste. But honestly, I was going to say most, 99% of the good stuff is not through the APA, unfortunately. I think if your employers had a really good experience with a certain course and they really want you to learn from a certain person that you're doing an APA course, look, that's fine. But I wouldn't be going there as my go-to source for what courses should I do. 
And again, that ties back to the beauty of social media. You can be following so many people right now, seeing what they do and, and making up your own choices on this is the type of person I want to learn from or this is a totally different opinion that I want to learn more about. So yeah. let, let's unleash you, Mick. Go on. Well, I was just thinking maybe maybe I've become a bitter, jaded old man and it's an opinion <laughs> I need to move on. But if I explain my experience with the APA, it started eight years ago. So they may have changed and I'm, I'm aware we've got a new CEO now and that he's quite proactive and, and wants to change things. So I'll reserve judgment on him, but I'll reflect on my experience was coming out of uni, you paid this tremendous fee to be part of the APA and all they really did for you was give you a discount on insurance and they sent you a magazine monthly, which was 90% nothing to do with MSK. And then my favorite journal for, for young physios is JOSPT. Now, the APA membership didn't get you access to that journal. So I really asked, what could I do better with my five or $600? And the answer was a lot. I could do a course. I could subscribe online. I actually ended up registering for JOSPT so I could get that journal. Now we have something called Physio Network, which is awesome, right? We, we get access to really good MSK stuff. Um, do I think the APA membership is more valuable now? I think it is financially because of the huge discount on your insurance, right? That makes it financially feasible. Um, but I just really hope that they bring more value to our profession. And I know they ran the TV campaign earlier in the year. That was cool. But again, not really specific for private practice, was it? There was, there was little snippets. Um, that, that's, that's where I will agree with a strong opinion. With physiotherapy being such... Uh, well, having an impact in so many areas, I could I could imagine it'd be hard for them to be specific, but that's where the problem in, in value comes, where Mick is mentioning, well, I'm still spending the same money, and if, yeah, we get a, a booklet once a month and only one of those books a year is actually worthwhile to me, and half of them still are, unfortunately, like clinic supplies ads and <laughs> things like that. Um, and, you know, is, is that real value? And, and what Mick said is correct. Where, where else could I be spending that money, you know? I, I subscribe to the Physio Network as well. We use it as a clinic. They love that. Our clinic loves that. And going through that in PD, we definitely don't get out the APA magazine and go through that together. I really want to be proud of my governing body, but at this point I'm not, and that's really sad. Um, I would love to be filled with pride when I put an APA sticker on my clinic window, but if all they're providing me with is a monthly magazine, which isn't relevant, and the first TV ad this year, it was great ad, but again it's going to be hard for them to be a champion for private practice physio because they have to look after hospital physios as well. So my question over it was value. The other analogy or example I have was we approached them about, you know, promoting iMoveU and the fee to do that was astronomical. And from our perspective, we are trying to help the profession and provide that specificity and the amount of cash they wanted from us to promote our brand was reasonable if they were providing massive value back to private practice physios. But at this point, they're not. So I'm disappointed and frustrated and always have been. I hope this new CEO brings change and I've heard really good things. Um, I actually heard he's sitting down with Nick Schuster to try and change some things about our profession. Maybe we could get him on an episode of I Move You as a rebuttal. That would be awesome. Definitely. And I think as much as uh, Mick loves to rant, <laughs> things are changing I'm sure it will get better 
Um, I think it's it's groups of, of students, it's groups of therapists. If we can come together and, and I guess provide what we would like out of a governing body and all those kinds of things, then things will eventually change for the better. They are. It's just slow, unfortunately, like any governing body. Yeah, that's right. We have to change. Stephen King pulled me up on that from Matt. He said, Mick, stop bitching about it. Go out and help them. <laughs> My response was, I'm trying to, but they're charging us fees. Um yeah, let's hope it gets there. My only, my last, my, my last bit of feedback for the APA courses is, it's very, it's very knowledge based. As Andrew cracks up because he knew this would be a long segment, it's very knowledge based, and we we feel like young health professionals don't need that specific knowledge. They need to practice their communication skills, their rebooking, their compliance. The APA courses tend to be very technical because of the caliber of physios they have and the specialist physios they have on board. Um, I just don't feel health professionals in their first two years will get value from that, which is why we encourage a course like I Move You, something that's a little bit more, what is the best thing for young private practice practitioners? And really, that's why we created I Move You. I think key difference there as well is, as you said, you've got some amazing people presenting and a lot of senior therapists then go back and do PhDs. And so they, they make their courses around the research and Again, that is all great to know and to learn, but it's if you don't have the practical side, the ability to actually work with your client, that research gets lost in actual reality, the, the actual working with a client. And so you need to know how to communicate. You need to have some hands-on skills. And the research, the research is there. You can read in your own time. You don't need to be sitting in a, a room for two eight-hour days just going through journals. I agree, mate. What would be your top two takeaways from I've graduated, now what, if people go away and focus on two things from today's episode? So I'm going to stay away from the APA, first of all. Not That's not my take-home, but we're going to leave it out of the conversation because Mick will talk for another 20 minutes. My takeaway is go get some private practice experience. You will get good experience of all the sectors in the hospital world from university. Go get some experience in private practice, even if you feel that you do want to do hospital. The opposite of what we're talking about. Go go learn about private practice anyway, even if it's for a couple of weeks, just to tick the box to make sure hospital is the right way for you to go. And for the people who do want to go into private practice, you know, email five to ten clinic owners. Mick said if you email five, you get one that will be happy. I reckon you'll get five that will be happy to take you on. Yeah, massive shortage of great physios for private practices, so make sure you're emailing people. Thanks for episode seven, mate. Uh, please subscribe. If you subscribe, you'll see live when a new episode comes up. Please continue to rate us. It's been awesome. And leave a comment and feedback. The comments really help get our podcast out there and it will help to tailor the content coming forward. So let us know what you want to hear. We'll see you in episode eight. This is the iMove You podcast, getting you private practice ready. We give you fresh ideas on mindset, communication, and clinical skills so you can have a fulfilled career.